There you go. Looks like it's recording to me. Let's, okay. What do you say we do it? That sounds good. <laughs> awesome. Let's do it. Looks like it's recording. I'm Michael Vincent. I am a Sustainiac. The other Sustainiac today is Bill Castle, and he is Senior Vice President of Sustainability at Coonanoggle. Um, I believe I got that title right. Did I, Bill? Yeah, Sustainability Solutions, actually. Oh, Sustainability Solutions at Kunanago. Okay, great, 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 great. Awesome. Thank you for the correction. Welcome to the show, my friend. How's everything going? Good, Michael. I uh, just booted my second case of COVID. So Ooh. the world's looking up. Wow, three for me. Oh, sorry. Yeah, two, two, two vaccines, a booster, and three cases of... So I'm yeah. good, man. I'm like teflon of for covid now there's no way i'm getting it a a, a fourth time i, I hope so I, I i didn't think i'd get two but you never know i'm just <laughs> you, too, too much travel and too many conventions you know bill when we do this when i start this i always look and i i i stalk people on on linkedin and stuff like that. i do that anyway so i can say hey wow bill castle we got to get him on he's going to be really good on the sustainiacs but then there's there's also those uh times when uh I look back and I think, how the heck did they fall into this? Because, you know, they were, you know, a circus clown or something like that. Or, But I mean, you didn't flunk out of clown school or anything like that. You you basically been just graduating through the ranks of Kuninagel for the last, I don't know, not to date you, but it looked like 150 years to me. I mean, did you found the company? You've been there forever, bro. How did that happen? 43 well, years, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, little, little information on KN. We're 79,000 people in 1,300 sites in 100 countries and started in 1890. So I wasn't quite around that. Uh, that wow. I wasn't far off. You could almost no, no, do 150 no. years, almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and look, you know, we're, we're one of the world's largest logistics providers, sea, air, road, contract logistics, and uh, really like to focus on, you know, integrated solutions for customers. But, you know, it, it's, so you say that, I mean, I have seen the company evolve, obviously, you know, when you talk about a company that's 130 years old, yeah, they were called freight forwarders back then. Yeah. And of course, now we are global logistics partners for our customers and, you know, work in specialized solutions in a lot of major industries across the globe. Um, but, you know, the, for, the, the foremost thing to us is, is the customer. So being you know an industry leader we want to work in things like sustainability and for me i started in kn with uh, my first job at kuna anagal in chicago in 1980 just out of college um, yeah i worked in air freight operations and then progressed into sales um 1987 became the branch manager of the Minneapolis office, which for a while also encompassed the Kansas City office. 2004, I was persuaded to move to the North American headquarters office here in New Jersey, where I'm sitting now, Jersey City, to okay. manage the Trans-Pacific development. And did that until 2010 when I became so they moved, the head they of the moved, They moved you to the East Coast to do the Trans-Pacific? Okay, I, I that wasn't. Uh, <laughs> it was, this is the North American corporate office, and you will be here. So <laughs> I get it. Yeah, no, I get it. They couldn't it, station you in Hawaii or something like that. I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah, you know, Continental Airlines was still a, a great carrier at the time, and I got used yeah. to buckling in for that fifteen-hour flight directly to Hong Kong. So there you go. There you go. It worked. Awesome. It worked. It did. It did. That that is very cool. It's hard. I mean, people stay. Don't the people don't stay at at at, and they always say that people don't stay at at companies very long, right? Like they used to, like lifers or whatever. Yeah. Why? Why? What made you a lifer uh, so far? I mean, I, I mean, forty three years. I got to assume you're going to finish out your career there. What? Okay. How did it? How did that occur to you? What What is the magic sauce there? Is it your magic sauce or their magic sauce or a com combination of the two? Is Is it just uh, such a wonderful place to leave that you wouldn't you wouldn't dare dream of leaving, or are you just that valuable that I should be trying to steal you for my own logistics? <laughs> well, I you know I, I've uh, not bragging. I've had offers obviously throughout my career. Sure, you had to. Have. And um, 
it, it was always, it was, you know, the, the, there's an old adage that one of our HR guys told me and they said, uh, people don't leave companies. They leave managers. I've and, read that. I've seen that. And, and I've done I think that. It's a, <laughs> yeah. And I think it's been a combination. Um, you know, I, I've been fortunate. I've always had an opportunity to advance almost when I asked for it. Uh, sometimes wow. they asked me and I said, no, sorry, some personal things are, 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 you know, more important right now. And that was always respected. So just having that opportunity, enjoying what you do, enjoying the people and, and, and the culture. And I think that's one of the things people always talk to about Kunanaga's culture. You know, how do you have people that are over 50 years, 40 years, 30 years, so many of them in the company? Right. It's, it's part of the culture. It's collaborative. So you always feel like you're part of the equation, not being talked down to, but talked to. Yeah. And just 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 things like that. Like I said, my, my first boss, you know, pushed me to go into sales because he could see I was bored with operations. And then yeah. he, when he needed a branch manager in Minneapolis, which he ran, he asked me to go there and told me, you know, that it'd be a great opportunity and help my career. Then the CEO called me uh, after 17 years in Minneapolis and said, we need you in corporate. And I said, I got some challenges, uh, younger children, et cetera, et cetera. And he accommodated it and, and gave me opportunity and pushed me. And it's it's just been a good ride. That's awesome. You know, I, I worked for, well, I can say I worked for Roadway Express. They don't, they're not around anymore. They're part of Yellow. But I mean, when I was, I mean, I started there in the 80s. And I was given, you know, opportunities, um, but it came with the knowledge that if I said no, I I just made a career decision, right? There, it didn't matter what, I mean, that's how there it was. You do it or, sure. or that's it. See you, yeah. right? I mean, you might as well quit um, because it's it's over for you. So it it's good to hear that. Did you say Kuna and Noggle? Is that what it's, is that how it's actually pronounced? Yes. Uh, okay. Kuna so I've been Noggle. mispronouncing it for low these 35 years. Excellent. We listen. It's like my last name. You know, if you look at it phonetically, you're gonna. My old boss, as a joke, used to call me Mister Kashel <laughs> because he was a Serbian who spent a lot of time in Italy, and he said phonetically, "Your name to me is Kashel." Yeah, I said, "I don't care. It's pronounced Castle." <laughs> so, <laughs> well, to me, company, from, it's, being it's from Cleveland, Ohio, it's clearly Castle. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, you know, it's 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 Kuna and Noggle. Kuna and Naga. Two okay. gentlemen that founded the company originally. Yes. All right. I've I've been mis. I, uh, my apologies to Mr. Kuna and Mr. Noggle because I've been mispronouncing it forever. Let me ask you this. You, I mean, you've seen a lot of changes pr- internally, right, and externally in the in the business. What are some of the things that you've 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 seen over your your forty three years in logistics? Because you know, I, I deal with a lot of people. I've been in it for thirty five years from. Uh, from different, all different types of angles, right? I've been on the asset side, on a brokerage side. I've been in maritime. I've been in uh, air freight. I've been in truckload. I've been in LTL. I've done all these. So, but your perspective is you, you see all that as well. And you see it from an international type of thing. People that call themselves veterans and they are 10 years in the, in the company, uh, kids basically to you and I, um, uh, they, they've seen the last five years and three years and go, holy crap. But there's been a lot of holy crap moments in the last 43 years, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, again, uh, if, if, if you can imagine, I started in 1980 typing airway bills on a manual typewriter. So obviously I've seen the technology changes. I've Was seen it electric? Growth. Did you get to use an electric no, one? Or you had- no, no. So you had like an old Underwood, you had like an old Underwood and you're the old beat the keys till your fingertips bled kind of thing, you know, (laughs) maybe glad I'd learned to play guitar. So I toughened up some part of my body, but. Oh, you're a guitar player? uh, No, I've played with a guitar. Let's, let's. Oh, (laughs) well, I mean, I'm not on stage anywhere, you know, charging for, for tickets. So I just play with a guitar myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I I call it. Play with a guitar. I got you. Um, I got you. But you know that was that was very you know very rudimentary stuff we did, and you yeah. actually drove to the I, my first job. I drove to the airport every day and handed off documents and met an armored car because we were shipping industrial diamonds. Oh wow! And, really? And, you know, and 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 things like this, and and just to see the way. But the, the biggest flow, obviously, is is information, right? I mean, yeah. You know, I, I I can tell you about it. The Quip machine, if you even remember back that far. 
that ran on chloroform, we found out later. And I sat next to it for a couple of years. So, um, <laughs> you know, telex to, you know, the, the, just the, 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 no, the, quip, the quip machine, was that the, the one, that, the drum that rotated? Is that what? Yep. And spun like this. And, and after 20 minutes, printed out a manifest for you. Yeah, but I love the smell of that. It was not good for you. It was chloroform. I know, no, but it was still, it smelled, I liked the smell. <laughs> Neither was, you know, when I would walk across the line hall yard in, in Toledo, Ohio, be, you know, it was main mm-hmm. line hall switch point for Roadway Express and a lot of trucking mm-hmm. companies mm-hmm. between Chicago and Harrisburg. And you walk across there and you hear 50 air starters just vroom, go off. You never heard anything like that. I love that smell of diesel. We used to say that all the time. I love the smell of diesel. Um, obviously now you're more sustainable. I'm more sustainable, but I have a few less brain cells because of all that diesel. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I sat by the equipment machine too long myself. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's been a lot of changes, man. I remember when hot, hot, uh, we'd send like, you know, hot freight notices. And, and even then it was like, yeah, show me where the cold freight is. Cause everything was hot anyways <laughs> back then too. But we used to sell it. We used to send it through the Twix messages on AS 400. Right. And then it would print out yep. somewhere on a, on a dot matrix printer. And then a union clerk would come by, tear it off, throw it in a cubby hole. And maybe during that shift, somebody would check it and go, Oh, we got to get that on that trailer i mean and that's how it worked right back <laughs> yeah no and that's and and you know when you say why did i stay with kunanago i i think that because we we kept up with innovation and some of it we did in-house we would reluctantly take some of it out but that was one of the things that you know if you thought you were with a cutting-edge company and uh, you know these changes came along and the communication got better and you know it made your life easier and yeah. it, it, you had less angry customers so you know yeah. Another one of the reasons that, you know, I, I interviewed with people occasionally talked about their technology and thought, eh, no, we've yeah. been, you know, we've been essentially one company who did some very strategic bolt-ons. I saw, you know, mouses swallowing cats and all these kind of organizations, you know, serial integrators. And it just became like, oh my God, how many systems do you work on? How do you do that? What is your yeah. aggravation factor? You, you, you right you get that fatigue right and then when you've got all those different things running through the system then you get run into the problem that many people are realizing now and have over the last like four or five years as more and more integration more technology comes in. you got all this siloed data that is in different formats and you've got you know yeah. somebody spells kun and noggle you know K-E-U-H-N-E, some spell it K-H-U-E-N-E, because they know there's an H in there, but they're not sure where it goes, right? And some of them yeah. put the ampersand and not the plus sign because plus isn't and, but, and then you have all these, yeah. like, you know, like I'm saying, aliases out there, right? You can't get all your information together uh, because yeah. all these different formats, that's, that's really interesting. So keeping all that stuff internal helped with that quite a bit, oh, which yeah. is, that is very cool. That is very cool. Um, so it was COVID the worst thing you, you've been through as far as, is as the supply chains? Yeah, because it wasn't just supply chain, right? It was life. I mean, yeah. you know, 2008, when the economy took a, 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 a big stop, you know, you, you had that moment. You, you had that, you had this that isn't moment going out to little kids. You can say it, man. It took a big, yeah, big no, no, no. You had big that moment jump. of hesitancy, right? Where you're like, wow, you know, our, our, our economy is that fragile and, yeah. Know, are we going to pull out of this? But right. it subsided. And, yeah. you know, it did create, it created problems with the, I was in Transpact and it created problems with the ports then, but COVID was far and away the worst. Oh, thing man. Because it, I mean, it changed the way you worked. It changed the way you thought. It changed your perception of, of what you thought was, was just very simplistic thing called the supply chain. And it works. And sure, it has a glitch here and a glitch there. But suddenly it was broken and it was and it was breaking into more and more pieces, it seemed like, as the months rolled on. And that was that was trying for a lot of people. I mean, thankfully, we had integrated with Zoom in the September of uh, 2019. So we were using Zoom a lot. We were trying to cut our travel expenses, cut our CO2. And we were all versed at it. So when we said literally on St. Patrick's Day, hey go home, work from home. People picked up their laptop. They had Zoom on it. They went home. They started to work with each other on Zoom. And and like I said, good planning, good luck. 
we didn't skip a beat. But yeah, because because you the infrastructure that people needed to implement and get used to, and still not only implement and get used to and be able to run it, but then stay productive. Uh, yeah. And even more productive because of the situation we were in. And, and right. I mean, it's like a silly question. Was that the worst you've been through? Obviously it's the yeah. worst you've been, it has to be. Um, mm-hmm. But um, being 78,000 strong and all over the entire world, that's how you guys did it anyway. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like, Oh, well, I have yeah. to work remote. Well, we kind of are anyways. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what, I, and, and look, you know, I, Look, I took on a new role, right? I, I yeah. agreed in January to take this job. COVID came in mid-March. I was still in the process of passing my job over to uh, my successor. And, you know, just the things that it took, talking to people all the time, keeping them motivated, uh, uh, you know, trying to figure out, okay, we, we don't have to print everything. And no, you don't need a printer at your house. We're, we're paperless. Now we're going to live it for sure. That was, like I said, that was challenging. And then trying to have customer conversations, intelligent, rational conversations with people about sustainability and why you should look at reducing air freight, more sea freight. What about biofuel, marine biofuel, sustainable aviation fuel, EV trucks? And you could literally see people, they were shaking and smiling, but their hair was on fire. Of course. I mean, meanwhile, they're shipping, uh, you know, Peloton bikes, air freight (laughs) and hot tubs. (laughs) Oh, and crazier things. Trust me. I mean, things that, (laughs) <laughs> I thought I had the best experience in my life when I got a call from a gentleman and he told me that someone from Target told uh, them to call him Target Stores, of course, yeah. in Minneapolis. And he said, I need a part charter and I need it as fast as possible from Hong Kong. I said, sure. Um, give me the volumes, statistics. And he said it was, and when I asked him what it was, he said, wooden toilet seats. Oh my gosh. Excuse me? They're air he freighting. Said, yeah. Wooden toilet seats. And I said, I, I'm sorry. I have to ask why. <laughs> and he said, I had a problem with my factory in China. The order isn't going to make it in time. I have a commitment to target. I'm going to make it. I said, Oh, okay. I'll do the best I can for you, buddy. Because I, I can't, wow. I can't think there's going to be a lot of profit left in this job, but <laughs> then, you saw, then you saw COVID. I mean, you know, people just said, listen, I have to have material on the shelf. Customers yeah. are, they're at home, but they're coming out, they're shopping, they're bored. And, you know, this is my opportunity. So just try not to make it hurt too bad. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have two COVID projects in my backyard, too. People had money and they were bored, right? I've got two in my backyard. I, yeah. I, built, a, I built a huge 100 square foot playhouse with with uh, solar power and air conditioning and all that kind of stuff in it. And I also... Yeah. Uh, built a uh, what we call swing hinge, <laughs> which is this massive swing structure in my backyard. So you took over this. You took the sustainability job at Kunanagel in January 2020, right? Right before yes. everything blew up on us, our world changed. Yes. Um, so how how did that occur? Was that did the company say, "Hey, you're our man," or were you like, "Did it was there a personal? Um, I want to get involved with this. Let me do this type of thing." Yeah. Or how did that occur? Well, uh, our uh, former North America CEO who retired last June, uh, we, we, we went back quite a while. Uh-huh. Um, and so when I was in charge of the branch in this office and, and the area, they nicknamed me the landlord. So when the management didn't want to do something, I got to do it. So <laughs> he, I would push him and I had pushed him in my former role as the, uh, the head of the Northeast area that we, we should be more sustainable and we should try to encourage the utilization of EVs for all the customer-facing people we have out there. You know, oh. let's let's really live sustainability. So I had worked with him on that and, uh, and our head of HR, and we got that underway, that you got a better car allowance if you drove an EV, um, that you got a better car allowance if you at least got X number of miles per gallon with mostly hybrid. And then when we were, came to the job of completely revamping the two floors that we have here at 10 Exchange in Jersey City, Again, along with the, the gentleman in charge of facilities, we push sustainability, things like this, um, recycling, doing better. Could we get composting in the building? So he came to me and he said, listen, our global CEO has said he wants this role for North America and you're the best equipped person I know. Uh, you're, you're, you're familiar with the fuels. You're familiar with some of the objectives. You can create some of them on your own, but I would like you to take this job. And I said, 
done. <laughs> you know, well, show me some paper with some numbers on it, but then done. Yeah, and right. It's 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 always been a, a a thing for me that goes back. I tell people the story when my first child was born in 1987. Uh, you know, you're getting ready, you're anxious, you're trying to figure out how's my world going to change. And my brother walked into my house and he's wearing a T-shirt and has a picture of a, a plastic diaper. And it said above it, this is a diaper. And below it, it said, in 2000 years, this will still be a diaper. Oh, yeah. And it really turned on a light switch. And I had to do some convincing with my wife to say, we're going to go old school and do regular cloth diapers. In 87. Yeah. And it kind of became this thing where, okay, because I, I, I just... I've always had this aversion, if you will, to, to junk plastic. Yeah. Uh, we create too much of it. We just take it for granted and we think that it magically disappears and we yeah. know better now, but this was just kind of that door opener for me. So wow. I drove hybrids. I drove EVs as soon as I could afford one, get one. Um, I, people will tell you, I will switch brands of mustard or mayonnaise or salad dressing if I can't find it in glass. Um, it's really a personal thing to me. Because, you know, the old uh, adage that, you know, uh, you're, you're only borrowing the planet from your children, right? So We're just stewards, you, you know, man. We're just stewards. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's, so that that's, was, that was, to me, it was the perfect mix of, uh, of a, a great role and something I, I could really get my teeth into and a personal passion. Yeah. So it was in your blood, man. I mean, it was, it was in your nature to take this job and say, yeah, I want this job. That's, yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. A lot of people have difficulty. I mean, there's a lot of CSOs now, right? And they're not strategy officer anymore. They're sustainability officer. Um, And a lot of them um, are struggling with that role and how to do that because I don't think it was really a a lot. They're there. They're not just namesakes or whatever, but I mean, put together because they had to or because they should do it. And without the really the knowledge and the forethought of how does this actually going to interact with the company. Right. And I've talked to other people like uh, Eric Law from Urban Machine, who's saying, you know, innovation really mostly comes from the small startups and stuff because you have these huge behemoth companies and to steer them and to change and to make genuine impact is very difficult for them. You've managed to do that. How, how, how 78,000 people and you're driving this stuff and we're going to get into it a little bit with the, you know, roadmap 2026 and your sustainability report, some impressive numbers that are going on there in North America, if not all over the world for Kuna Nagel, mm-hmm. how did Kuna and Nagel, sorry. And so how does that work? How do you impact that through an organization that big? Well, yeah, it's like I said, it's it's challenging because, again, uh, there's that old adage: uh, it's it's uh, big ships turn slow. Um, yeah. In our industry, uh, we saw what happens when they turn slow and they kind of, you know, block up a whole canal. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's yeah, uh, Suez became a verb, right? You just Suez that, or you just got Suez, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, like I said, it, 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 it comes now with our, you, you, you touched on uh, the roadmap 2026, and it's, it's, it's four components. It's the, what we call the KN experience, which is for our customers and our employees. We, we want them to have the best experience. Um, then there is the digital ecosystem, us, you know, making sure that our innovation, our technology, our big data, our automation give us a competitive advantage and we drive into that. Um, the market potential that, you know, we want to build on things we've been successful with, like healthcare, e-commerce, renewal, look, renewable energy solutions for our customers. And we want to be strong in the future growth markets. And the last one then is like encompassing this is living ESG and, and, it's easy to say, like I said, when people, I can't tell you how many employees asked me, you know, when I first started, what, what do you do? What is that? I don't understand. Yeah. So it was, it was ingrained in us that, you know, we, we need to, to bring up our coworkers, make them understand what it is that we do, the carbon footprint we leave doing it and why we need to change it. And I think just generally society started to speak more and more about this, but I think KN really, has always had this mission to, you know, make the world a better place. 
And of course, yeah. now when you look at it from a logistics point of view, you're like, okay, you, you've got to get rid of that carbon footprint. You can't air freight everything on a whim. Um, so this has to permeate the, the entire company. And our, our former CEO, global CEO, who uh, left in uh, November of mm-hmm. 2022, or sorry, uh, 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 yeah, no, in June of 2022, was, was really, again, personally embraced this, drove an EV, uh, was big into uh, deforestation causes, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it permeated through the company and, and we drove it. And of course, like anything else, you know, the message can get a little diluted here and there. But now with, with this, the four pillars for our roadmap of 2026, ESG is one of them. So now people understand, all right, we're putting our money where our mouth is. This is important to us. That's, and, that's, and that's... Go ahead. And that's the critical part that they've named other people that, that I have counterparts now throughout the world. We talk, we, we collaborate and, and, and we, I think, you know, keep trying to push the company in the right direction when it comes to sustainability, because every one of my colleagues is, is obsessed with it as I am. It's not just, Oh yeah, I got this job. And uh, it's a, it's a personal thing as well as a professional. Yeah. Is it gamified across the company? I mean, is there like contests and who's more sustainable than the other? Oh, yes. Yes. One year, um, we we always had a can trophy. So uh, as I said, our our, our, uh, former CEO decided that one year, it's not going to be about results and all this. It's going to be about green. It's going to be the green trophy. Oh, so wow. that was that was very exciting that that we got to see that and 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 everybody competed for it and people were trying to you know outdo each other and well we did this beach cleanup no we are protecting this forest no we're planting things here uh, you know no we've abolished plastic bottles in our office space so it, it really did and and that's what it takes it takes that kind of bottom up. To, to, to really make it stick because people can, you know, talk down to you and tell you what you should do and you can smile and nod your head. And, and if it doesn't stick, it doesn't stick. But if you see your colleagues doing it, and again, that collaboration within Kunanago, and you hear about what, oh, the Asia team did what? That South America is planting, wow, this is crazy. Okay, we've got we've to keep up. So well, that's you, the you way also see the CEO driving it. You also see the CEO driving a, a, an EV instead of flying around <clears throat> in a private jet, burning the hell out of uh, out of jet fuel and stuff like that. that that's oh yeah. That there, there's no such thing as private jets in Kunanago, Trust me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's really that's really cool. I want to encourage everybody because uh, I, I read through it and it's and it's tremendous. But I want to encourage everybody in the audience and everybody's listening to go to Kunanagel. Kuna and Noggle.com. K-U-E-H-N-E plus N-A-G-E-L.com and read the 2022 sustainability report. It's impressive stuff. And you can get to the 2026 roadmap and stuff like that because there's a lot of CEOs and I get a lot of upper level people watching this. And and you can, I'm sure it's out there to say, hey, we're doing this, but it's also, you know, based on what you told me, there's some altruism there as well as trying to spread that word because we're all we're all stewards, right? So go yeah. and, and check that out. How now? You you mentioned a couple things there, right? You mentioned like, hey, advising a customer. You listen, you can't air freight everything on a whim and stuff like that, right? So I I, I led a um <clears throat> a uh, discussion on <clears throat> sustainability, um in intermediaries at the transportation intermediaries association, the meeting down in Orlando recently. And one of the discussions was how can, um, how should, and how will intermediaries impact sustainability in the supply chain and outside? What, what, what is your, what is your thoughts there? What, what, what is, I know, first of all, is it your, is it your responsibility? Do you have to do it? And then, and then how do you get it done? Cause I, I have a feeling you're going to say, yeah, it is your responsibility, but <laughs> go ahead, answer the question in your own words. Well, yeah, it is our responsibility. Um, like I said, I, again, we, we've always been, uh, I like the word you use stewards. Uh, so we're, we're always trying to do this. So, and, and like you said, you know, how do you, how do you make it stick within the organization? Uh, in 2021, we became the first, air logistics provider to offer our customers sustainable aviation fuel for each one of their shipments. They could pick a shipment, pick all the shipments and zero out their carbon footprint. Um, earlier this year, we announced that 
what we have in fleet will be uh, 60% alternative fuel, probably EV and possibly EV hydrogen uh, hybrids by 2030, because we've got science-based target initiatives. And the biggest one for us is cutting our scope three, which is 98%, cut our overall scopes, but cutting our, um, cutting our scope one, two, and three by 33%, taking 33% of the CO2 out of our activities. So it's behooving on us to make our science-based target initiative. And to do that, we have to provide these tools to our customers. We can't wait back and say, that's the steamship lines, that's the airlines problem, et cetera, et cetera. No, they expect us to, uh, and I'm going to keep beating this dead horse that you gave me, steward them in the right way to do things. So if we say, listen, we, we can sell you these fuels, they're mode agnostic. You don't, you don't have to be at this port and that port or that airport and that airport. You do it as, as uh, it's called mass balance concept, effectively. We measure your CO2, which we can with our reporting systems and show you exactly what your footprint is with us. And then we say, what do you want to do with this now? Here's some ideas. Let's talk about optimization. Let's talk about mode change, since you brought that up. That was always that that uh, untouchable, right? With most companies, oh, no, can't. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to, you know, got to be here. Yeah, the next yeah, day. no, I mean, even in, even in my old days of transport, you put that on the rail. Are you insane? That's what you don't need it for three weeks and it's cheaper. Yeah, but it's on the rail. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not that we don't mind making money on air freight and then contract logistics to store it for you. But uh, <laughs> yeah. so we, you know, we can do these whiteboard sessions with people and show them their footprint and say, let's spitball some ideas, but we want the stakeholders involved here. Because the transportation guy goes running up to the CFO and the planning group and everybody and says, hey, I got this great idea and here's what we can do. And they're like, that, that, no, that doesn't work. Why didn't you consult? Right. So we want to make it consultative, get everybody in there. And then if they say there's only so much we can do there, there's only so much we can optimize, there's only so much mode shift we can do, then we have to talk about you know, real solutions, which are you know, biofuel for marine, sustainable aviation fuel for air logistics, EVs where applicable, um, you know, HVO, HOV, um, HVO, hydrogen vegetable oil, yeah, biodiesels, yeah. whatever we can help you with to just keep carving away at your CO2 footprint. It can be one thing. It can be that whole suite, but we've got to do it because we've got targets. Your targets are our targets as well. So we you're providing this, you're providing these solutions through the, the uh, modes that you're securing for your, for your clientele, right? So yes. that leads me to, to this as the, the people that are providing that physical capacity, they can't just ride and wait for solutions, right? They've got to jump in and get along the, for survival. Correct. I mean, that's getting more and more realistic. If you're not going green, you're not going to survive as a transportation provider, right? No. Or, or I think, you know, in the, in the longer run as a corporation. So yeah. Science-based target initiative is is you know is really our 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 uh, north star, if you will. Gotcha. So there are we are one of now I think uh, thirty five hundred companies who have successfully gone through the two year ordeal to work on how can we do it, what are our targets going to be, what's realistic, etc. But there are five thousand companies either with their targets approved or working on their targets. So this isn't just some whim, some passing fancy. You invest two years in something, you're going to be serious about it, right? right? Okay, maybe not. Maybe not my first two years in college, but I digress. Uh, Wait, did you so, invest in it, or was it somebody else investing it first? Oh no, 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 no! I I worked three jobs to get through college, so uh, well, then, I, yeah, didn't, I, mean, I, I didn't. Get it, I didn't yeah. have the silver spoon that I'm trying to pry out of my children's mouth. So right you didn't. Now. You didn't walk up to class and see class was canceled and go, "Yeah, you went. What, what, can I get my money back for this class?" What? what no, I went good. I can go to work earlier, maybe get a few hours in. Uh, but, but so we're, we're going out, we're investing in these fuels before we know that we've sold them. We're investing millions of dollars and then constantly engaging with our customer base saying, let us talk to you about solutions. We see that you've signed up for the science-based target initiative. We have common goals now. Let's talk about you know, solutions. How do we get our arms around this together? So, so okay. So um, when you say science-based 
targeted solutions, right? I mean, I get it. So targeted, I mean, you, you can read it and, and, and company, read the reports. Companies are building uh, war chests, if you will, to defend against greenwashing because of targeted initiatives, because they're yes. scared they're going to get sued because they're not making any progress towards them, right? You, 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 so exactly. I mean, what you I mean, what you're talking about is you can't have just a target that, that doesn't, that doesn't, you because you're going to, no. fa- if it's, you know, a, a wish isn't a goal. Right. It wishes you sit around a goal you work towards. Right. So this target implies that you're working towards it. And if you don't legally, somebody's going to catch you and you're going to, your butt's going to get burned. Uh, And secondly, Kuninago is going to say, okay, where's your data? Right. Because you're going to, you need to provide that to your, your customers are relying on you to be able to certify that this is what's going on. Correct. Right. Yes. No, that's and that's that's really one of the questions that people have. And I, I was at the um, Gartner Symposium um, the week before last, where I probably caught COVID. Um, and I um, there were a lot of people coming in, and and one of the conferences I didn't get into it because I was working with customers, and they came back and said, "Yeah, there was there's a lot of debate about data, you know, this carbon data. Where sure. where are people getting it? How is it that one of my providers has a trade lane?" And they tell me my carbon footprint is X and another one has the same trade lane and they tell me it's X plus 10% or whatever. So yeah, you have to be able to validate your reporting, your CO2 reporting. We use EcoTransit, uh, a, a very advanced form of it, plus our big data, plus input from carriers. So it's not, uh, you know, it's not something made up. We can validate it. And that's, that's what you've got to do because if you're going to go to the customer and say, here's your scope three with us, we're your major provider. You need to take that down by 33% and they invest money with you and they invest in solutions. And then somehow somewhere they find out that data really isn't true. You, you could have some severe issues. So we really make sure that as of the last regulations in ISO, et cetera, et cetera, our data is good. Your data is clean because then they're going to take actions. Then they're going to spend that money. And to your point, nobody wants to be accused six months, two years, five years later of greenwashing and not really making a concerted effort to clean up your, your footprint. Yeah. And if you, and if somewhere it's documented that you said your, your, your carbon footprint is X, um, you're going to be called into that trial, <laughs> right? So you better, I mean, so, somebody's going to go, wait, 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 no, Bill told me. <laughs> right? so, someone's going to talk. Going. Although you may have met Joe Pesci when you were doing the diamonds to, you know, LaGuardia there in, in New York. No, no, that was O'Hare. <laughs> oh, that was, oh, well, hey, then, you know. <laughs> no, 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 I, I wasn't anywhere near that kind of activity. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you weren't. I'm sure you went. So you've got a lot of initiatives that are going on there and stuff like that. So what, because, you know, when you talk about it, we're talking about the scope three and, and, and guiding your customers, et cetera, but you didn't, you know, you have internal that you're going for as well. And one of them is hundred percent renewable electricity in all your locations. Is that right? Yes. So that's uh, like I said, that's a, a combination of things. So uh, we are in, in, in our footprint, we have a large footprint in contract logistics, right? Huge facilities, yeah. uh, hundreds of thousands of square meters. And of course, you know, they're the ones that eat up a lot of energy. So, we are driving to put up solar panels on these facilities wherever we can and, and make our buildings less costly, more efficient, et cetera. So that 100% goal is, is really us pushing with our customer in that development stage to say, listen, okay, we've got a three-year contract. Here's the building. Here's the grade this building is. Here's what it does for you. And here's the eco uh, rating of this building as well. So we want to make sure that we it's a it's a because we sign a lot of time these back to back agreements, right? We're not going to throw up a, a facility for someone that wants a, just a three year deal. So right. we check out the building. We want it to be as as lead certified, et cetera, as green as possible. And of course, like anything else, that costs a little bit more than that uh, you know pre World War II brick thing over there in the corner that looks like it's falling down. So. You've got to drive that initiative within the customer to say, you know, this is this is what we're about. This is who we are. We want to bring you along in the journey. That's incumbent in the pricing and the service that we're going to provide you. 
Yeah. And you guys don't just stop with trying to be a little bit green on things. I mean, one of the, I mean, if, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I believe that it says you want to be grid positive when it, when yeah. at all possible. Yeah. That's right? like I said, that's, that's a challenge because again, when I talk about these facilities, we lease facilities, we own very few uh, strategic uh, ones. So when you're going to lease something, you're someone at the mercy of your landlord. Yeah, sure. We have one large global landlord that I think everybody knows, maybe. Um, and I might like be I said, <laughs> very collaborative. And 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 when we talk about new builds going forward, they're very much intent on helping us achieve our goals. We know what the yeah. goals are. They understand them. We're going forward. And that makes us more attractive to the customer that has that similar goal. Because if you get somebody who's just transactional and they want a two-year lease and they're they want bare minimum stuff and they're going to be out of there tomorrow. That, that might not be what we can facilitate because again, we want, and we're responsible for that hundred percent green energy, um, you know, cutting down on water utilization and the biggest one, maybe even harder, zero waste to landfill. Oh, nice. nice. You're dealing, as we all know, you're dealing with the 50 countries of America. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then within those, within those countries, are all different kinds of regulations. Yeah, what yeah, can people, we recycle? Yeah. What can we compost, etc.? So through our facility partners, we always try to find a facility and a community that we can deal with so that we don't say, wait a minute, you're dumping all this in a landfill? No, we, we can't have that. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. on the other side, working with our customers and saying, hey, we've got some new shrink wrap that we're working with in our air freight hubs We'd like to introduce this to you because you're really using some dated stuff that, you know, we can't do much with. Same thing with strapping on 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 uh, on, on boxes, different ways to, to package. All of this helps us if we've done some work collaboratively on the front side so we don't just have to go take it out the back door and, you know, like I said, put it in landfill or struggle to find ways to recycle. Yeah, right, right, right. Reducing that linearity of it and, and getting the circular uh, in, into the mix. Um, I think I understand that when you're interviewing or onboarding a, a service provider that you may then introduce into your network, they're going to have to, pre- do they, they, are they, did 100 have to prove that they're green or do they have to agree to certain uh, standards or, or how does that work? Because, you know, I hear more and more and more. Um, and when I asked the question uh, at TIA, everybody in the room rose their hand when I said, how often do you get asked about your green initiatives and your carbon footprint on RFPs? How often do you yeah. demand it from your people and how often do you get demanded of it from your customers? sounds like you guys push more than, more than you're they're demanded by your customers. You're really encouraging them, right? Yeah, we're, we're really pushing. And again, I would, I would say it, you know, obviously the steamship lines and the airlines, yeah. you, you know, those relationships, sometimes they sure. need you more than you need them. Sometimes Absolutely. The, yep. the coin flips. So, and again, if you're going to move freight from point A to point B, it might not be the cleanest ship. It might not be the cleanest uh, airplane. But again, having the ability to measure that by biofuel or by SAF and reduce that dirty vessel into a zero carbon footprint is what we can do by purchasing SAF and biofuel. And and like I said, you know, uh, it goes into the market. It's used somewhere, maybe not in the same port, maybe not in the same carrier, but we get accredited for reducing our CO2 footprint that way. Gotcha. Yeah. But when it comes down to vendors, like if you're going to come and talk to our facilities management people about shrink wrap, you know, all, all, all the things that they want to sell you, you're going to be asked, uh, let's, let's see your catalog. Let's see the greenest thing you've got and how can we encompass that? And of course, you know, hopefully it's, it's, it's not price prohibitive. We're, we're willing to spend a little bit more, but it's, it can't be something that's just, you know, new out of the box and look, the shrink wrap will dissolve in the landfill in two weeks. It's fantastic. We'll take it. Well, it's 60% more, you know, so we, we try to work with our vendors within a, you know, with a sense of reality. If, if there's something that's not on the market yet, great, please plug away. Let us know when you find it in the interim, we'll, work with the greenest materials you've got. Right. Right. So let me ask you this. How, how, 
the sustainability efforts within the supply chains obviously changes the landscape a, a bit. It changes, like you said, changes the cost structures and stuff like that. It doesn't have to necessarily be more expensive forever, but there's going to be initial, in, initial uh, higher prices until things get more and more you know, accepted and there's more volume and usage, et cetera. The more we use it, the more acceptance there is. The cost exactly. usually tends to come down. And, and so we, you got to have those pioneers that are doing that in order to make that happen and, and, and get that going. And so there's a lot of internal type of things with the efforts to have a sustainable, uh, a sustainable supply chains and, and logistics providers. Now, the global movement towards sustainability and really ESG, all, all three pillars of ESG, right? Because you got to, you know, yes. whole, the whole thing. Um, those outside of the supply chain will impact how the supply chains and how those trade lanes move, et cetera, right? You have green corridors, right? Like, I think, uh, yes. uh, is, is it uh, Shanghai, LA is a green corridor they want to make, I think, with ammonia or something like that? Is, is, uh, yeah, that, look, there's, 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 so you know, how does that impact things? How is, how do we need to be looking at that? What do we need to stay on? Uh, the people need to stay up to date on for impacts in, in that manner. Well, I, I think I'll just tell you one of the things that really got me excited. Um, there, there's all different kinds of, like I said, that, you know, uh, sustainable aviation fuel is about one, one and a half percent of all fuel available right now. So availability is a challenge. You have to understand, you know, the, the, the limitations of technology today and hope for tomorrow. Yeah. Um, biofuels for, for, for diesel, you know, 90% of the world's goods move on a ship and about 70% of them move in container ships, right? Yeah. So biodiesel, things like that. Now you want to connect the dots. You want to have EVs on each side, right? You'd like to have a class eight tractor picking up your container, taking it down to the pier, goes on the ship. That's biofuel comes off on the other side, reverse it, you put it onto the tractor that again is an EV, delivers it to your green DC, you win. Yeah. Um, so trying to plug those things in, but now, especially when you're talking about a country the size of the United States, right? We talk about EV trucks and our colleagues in Europe go, how can you, how can you do EV trucks for those distances? We say, okay, we understand it's somewhat limited, but something happened about six weeks ago that was really... Uh, earth shattering to me. So every year I go to the advanced clean transport expo in, in California, mm-hmm. you see all the new vehicles, all the new fuel ideas, hybrids of EV and hydrogen, ammonia, anything you can think of. And one of our customers, as well as a, a truck manufacturer showed us their new class eight semi two years ago, well, a year and a half ago now, and said, this has a range of a thousand miles between the battery and the hydrogen fuel cell and will be available mid 2024. And we said, wow, that's fantastic. And then I joked, what do you do after the thousand miles? <laughs> and I was, you know, kind of being a smart aleck, but at the same time, that's a legitimate question. That, it's that's a legitimate question, right? What do you do California where you can get all this stuff and then you find yourself in the middle of Nebraska. And uh, yeah, so, Later in that conference, somebody told me a rumor. They said, listen, there is a company within, you know, deep pockets that is looking to buy one of the major truck stop organizations in the United States and put in battery charging and hydrogen fuel cell. I said, well, go talk to these guys over here. They'll be thrilled because they just built yeah. a truck that moves yet. Yeah. So uh, two months ago, BP came out with an announcement that they bought Travel Centers of America, 280-odd truck stops across the U.S., and in their opening statement, they said, we realize that we do have to move away from fossil fuels, and at our facilities over the coming years, we would like to offer EV charging, hydrogen fuel. Wow. That truck just became not an immediate, but... You know, now you see the horizon. You you see yeah, it coming, yeah. right? Yeah, that's that's true. We still there's some there's some issues of figuring out how to make you know hydrogen truly truly green. We, but we're working yes. through those. There's ways. Yes. There's there's ways to do that, and there's ways to transport that. I, I, ammonia is actually a hydrogen carrier, right? 
um, uh, so is uh, uh, methanol, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, well, don't get me started on methanol. I grew up in Iowa. So. <laughs> no, no food for fuel. No food for okay. I, 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 yeah. Yeah, I can respect that. I can respect. When we talk about biofuels, SAF, marine biofuel, these are all um, waste material. Yeah, use cooking yeah, yeah. oil. Um, yeah, yeah, etc. So no methanol. I, I won't go down that rattle. <laughs> How about methane? Are you good with methane? It's still a gas. You know, I mean, uh, it, it, it's certainly a gadget. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, 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 I'll stick on the, the hydrogen bubble, no pun intended. Um, but I think, <laughs> I think when you talk about how's that going to change and, and this is not just, you know, all the people that are deep in logistics, this is, you know, Everywhere. the average consumer out there. Suddenly, if you're, let's say, you know, it's, it's, uh, I 80s covered, you know, I 80 goes across the United States, Yeah. but you're, 200, 300 miles south of I-80, north of I-80, and this is your DC. What's the logical thing you want to do now? If you're trying to be green, you want to put it in EV chargers. Yeah. yeah. Because that battery on that truck can probably get to you, but coming back up might be a challenge to get back to the nearest BP charging station, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that makes if, sense. You've got a, if you've got a, a level three fast charger where this guy can unload his freight, Come in, have a cup of coffee in your trucker room, uh, you know, catch up on his email and then go out and he's got his truck charged to get back on the road. You're both. You become, a, you become a shipper of choice. Exactly. <laughs> Even if maybe you want to let him use a bathroom. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's not get crazy. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but this is, this is what, this is what I think, you know, that's something that's going to impact the way we work and, you know, and, 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 and how we can work. Yeah, No, it, it really is. And there's, there's companies out there that are, that are already into the, uh, you know, on-site charging and remote charging, right? I mean, you got on-site fueling and, and, you know, trucks will come down and fill your diesel tanks on your on-site. I had terminals that had that. We had that at, yeah. at tropical shipping. We had our generators there so we could run, uh, you know, they were run by diesel. We had our, our fueling stations. Um, and now, you know, Electricity. They're doing it with electricity, right? They're bringing it in. Yeah, um, and, and and a lot of them are very. It's, it's active cheaper than building the infrastructure and to have that draw that goes, like you said, two hundred miles off the where you're at. You're in middle of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It's not all that easy to draw that type of wattage to, right. to set up a bunch of stuff. So, you know, on on site or remote charging, and you know, you okay. So you're from the Corn Belt, and so there you go. Yeah, you gonna you know you got all those tractors and combines out there. You got to charge them puppies, right? Yeah, well, that's that's why when we talk about biofuels being waste material, because we don't want to you know do the ethanol thing of of raise crops, cut the crops. You're creating more and more CO two with those monster uh, you know combines and everything out there, um, et cetera, et cetera. So what you want to do is try to keep it as clean as possible. So look, we're going to run out of biomass. I mean, God knows we create enough garbage, but not all of it can be converted into fuel. So there yeah. has to be more technology. And there are things now like with SAF that they're, they're talking about using a, uh, a, a plant that's uh, essentially uh, like a, a sugarcane derivative and, and that they can grow it in, in large empty areas, clean harvest it and turn it into sustainable aviation fuel to solve the problem of, you know, the huge uh, density of, of fuel that um, SAF produces. Yeah, uh, yeah, CO2 yeah. density yeah. that's SAF produces. So there's going to be some trade-offs in the future, but these things are what excite me uh, on a daily basis and that I can say, okay, I think we can get there. Yeah. I love it. Where, where do you see, um, what do you, what do you see in the future? Are we going to, we going to see drone ships and drone planes and all of them <laughs> running on electricity or you know, I, Where's the I, I, flying ships. Wait a minute. We have flying ships. They're just smaller. Yes. Uh, but uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're testing drone ships and they're, they're, they're testing that type of stuff. Has this become a reality eventually or, and even AVs, I, are you guys into AVs, which is totally different than sustainability. I realize that, but yeah, on the technology yeah. edge, um, what, what do you see there? I look, I think, like I said, the, 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 the biggest, uh, 
problem we have to solve. And it's not just not just cargo, but it's also humanity. We like to yeah. fly. Yeah, we you do. Know, we we, we want to jump on a plane and go see the other side of the world. Yes, we do. Uh, it, it's one of the things that brought me into Kunanagalan. And when you asked why I stayed and why I stayed in the industry, I got to travel too. Yeah. yeah. I got to see places I never imagined as a kid I would ever see. And yeah. now it's become an expectation that, you know, everyone should do that. And you should, you know, you should see the, the, the great wall of China. You should see the, the ice caps, et cetera, et cetera. But if we do it by flying and we keep doing it the way we're doing it, we won't have to worry about the ice caps. They'll come to us in forms yeah. of flood. Yeah. So I think, like I said, these sustainable fuels to me are at least the, the short term silver bullets. Because if, if imagine if all the trucks could be EV hydrogen hybrids, all of us adopted to an EV car system. Yeah. And, you know, and then I could take this uh, on and on and on, but I mean, the, the amount of, uh, of, of, CO2 we could take out of the atmosphere would be phenomenal. So I think you, you want to look at the biggest creators of CO2 and say, this is, this is what we got to go after first, you know, yeah. then, then we'll, we'll look at the collateral stuff. So, Hey, drone deliveries, as long as it's not going over my house, go for it. I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> that's what I said, man. I can't see my neighborhood being cool with that. I mean, I just oh. don't, I don't think that's, I'm Literally, not hanging so out in my backyard on a weekend doing a barbecue and somebody's ordering you know, a six pack of beer being delivered, which they couldn't get. I mean, the max payload's 10 pounds. So good luck with that. Yeah. 10.8 oh, pounds, you know, mobile, they'll find, but. they'll find, they'll find, you know, bigger engines, uh, heavy lift. Uh, yeah. Big Huey copters and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Now like Amazon, Amazon delivers in my block now with uh, an electric van. Yeah. I, we get electric vans out in my block as well. Yeah. It's, we it's, do. you know, it's, the yeah. coolest thing, you know, and, and uh, we work a lot with Amazon, so I know what their green initiatives are and what they're trying to do. And it, it's, you know, that's the that's the secondary thing to me. You know, it's just the, the thing that you take for granted every day. I mean, everyone wants to drive an SUV. Somehow that became a thing in our society, right, over the last oh, yeah. 20, 30 years. Yep. Um, you know, so I think what, you know, okay, I won't go into my personal, uh, you know, Peccadillo's about driving a, a large assault vehicle to go down to the grocery store. But, um, you know, if you can, if you can do that and it takes zero CO2, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not as crazy about, uh, as I used to be. I mean, I have a Tesla Y to me, that's a big car, yeah. but I plan on doing traveling over the next years. And I have a daughter in Chicago and New York, Chicago is only, you know, 10 hours. I can drive that. No CO2 from the fuel, from the, the aircraft, et cetera, et cetera. So if, 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 if we can just ad adopt all of these things in our personal life, as well as what happens in industry, then we can, then let's look at the technology of, can you actually get on a plane that's powered by a battery yeah. or by hydrogen? Yeah. And, and, and how far down the road is that? But I'm, I'm trying not to look too far beyond, you know, the end of my reality. So you're, I mean, you're, let's, let's get the elephants and remember to pick up the rabbits along the way. And then we'll worry about the new technology on how to do that. Type of stuff. I like that philosophy. I think that's great. And that's, that's where we'll end this at because dude, 58 minutes went boom. Flew yeah, it by. did. Yeah, it did. It flew by. Bill, where do you want my people, everybody to go to learn more about Kunanaga, what you're doing there in sustainability and actually, you know, book some freight with you guys. Well, obviously, like I said, uh, start start with our website. I think we've got fantastic tools there. You already uh, gave it. It's kuna-nagel.com. And, and it's, like I said, it, it can take you down a, a multitude of avenues. If you're out there, you're in our business, you know us or you know of us or you know that uh, you need maybe someone additional in your logistics portfolio or, or replacement, you can easily find us. You can easily find uh, we've got a multitude of, of offices, personal offices throughout the United States where someone will come out and talk to you and greet you and introduce you to all of the services that we can provide you. I'm always in touch with all of those people saying sustainable, sustainable, sustainable. So if you think you're there, but your provider doesn't seem to have the tools, I'm sure that we can help you and, and just show you in baby steps how you can get there. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much, Bill. This has been the Sustainiacs. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace and love.
Thanks, Michael. Unintentional freight.